Welcome to Black Man in a White World, where we talk about me, a black man, in this crazy white world. Oh, we're going to get to that. See, I'm going to talk about arts and entertainment, but oh, we're going to touch on that too. Okay, go off. All right. Hey everybody, this is Mike and his white roommate Grant. And today Grant's going to ask me, Mike, am I a bad ally? Well, I, shit, I'm going to need some help for this. Of course, we went to the internet. Where we read five things that aren't allyship and what you can do instead by Holiday Phillips. She puts it together nicely. Next, we talk about a film that shows what could happen when allyship goes wrong. Way wrong. Really bad. It can get bad, y'all. And we finish up by dusting off our old memories of Disney movies. And, you know, we take a look at them and, you know, some of them, they, you know, they could, they could be a little, you know, they could do No, better. they need some work. Yeah. Yeah, is right. Mike... Am I a bad ally? Do you want me to answer that honestly? Yeah, give it to me straight. Uh, yes. But <laughs> the thing is, I think everyone can be a better ally and no one's a perfect ally. Like you're not, I'm not going to say you're over there like Green Book or anything. Yeah, the, the epitome of, you know, allyship right there right? in that movie. <laughs> you're not fucking the cast of the help. Like, you know, Hollywood does such a great job of depicting the best allies in the world. Yeah. The, the Brad Pitts and the Jessica Chastain. Fuck all of that. I mean, those people in real life are yeah, great. Yeah, they're actually awesome. But the characters that they play in those movies were like, mm, meh. Yeah. You could, you could do better. Like, come on now. True. But true. Okay, so, so that's a nice way of saying that I can still work on myself. I can still do better. Absolutely. Yeah. Always aspire to be better. I can do better. But right now we're talking about you. <laughs> uh-huh. I see how it is. No, I, I agree. And I think, like... You should always want to be better. You shouldn't be just looking for people to compliment you all the time. You should be looking for ways to improve no matter what you're doing, especially yeah. with issues that you're either waking up to or, or, you know, still getting used to, still growing in, still learning and in educating yourself in. So. Absolutely, because you ain't shit. I mean, I'm, I'm really not, not shit either. So you know, everybody needs to understand that you ain't shit, and so you can always be better. So the reason I ask this is because on Sunday, I'm having a nice day with my family, hanging out with my dad. Mike sends me a link out of the blue that flips my whole world upside down. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> well, you know, this very little context. I start reading it and I start getting like, oh my gosh, is this about me? And then the only thing you said with it was the ominous text, I'm going to put you in the hot seat again. Absolutely. So <laughs> for, for context for everyone listening... Uh, what I sent him was something from Holiday Phillips. If you don't know who Holiday Phillips is, she is... An educator, a spiritual guide, and a writer who writes about healing conversations on race and equality and meditations for collective care. So basically a whole boss. And whole boss. Everything that she has on Instagram, you should check out her Instagram definitely, is a bunch of like little how-tos and... Uh, kind of basically dumbing it all down for all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, ways to be better allies, conversations and, and terminology that is used um, in most of the dis- discussions around race and, and what we're currently dealing with right now. And she makes it just sound so nice and, and easy to understand. So, of course, I'm going to send it to my uh, resident white guy and yeah. be like, look at this shit. <laughs> Feast your eyes on this. Feast your eyes on all the ways you might be a problem. No, definitely are a problem, but maybe could improve. See, you hear him going through a crisis right now? I love this. <laughs> but what I sent him was, in particular, was five things that aren't allyship and what you can do instead. 
So it wasn't directly actually just like, here, Grant, this is for you specifically. Yeah. It was something that I felt was important that we could discuss. But of course, I mean, yeah, it, some of it probably applies to him. So easy, easy, to, easy to read and take personally, but in a in a hopefully growing way. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I'll, we'll just go through them. Yeah, Why let's not? do it. All right. So the first one is outrage, and what she says. Outrage because is a clear manifestation of your privilege. The state of not needing to know about racism because it doesn't affect you. This can be deeply frustrating and upsetting for black, indigenous, and people of color, for whom you for whom your shock is a clear display of how little you paid attention to our struggle until now. So outrage is not allyship. Pretty much. So like it's basically when everyone's like, oh, Mike. Oh my God, America is racist. And I'm like, bitch, please. <laughs> so like now you screaming and howling, crying. What the hell you think we've been doing? True. So yeah. I've been out here for ever, as long as as long as it's been going on. And I I think you probably had a moment or two where you were like, I don't know what to do. I'm so frustrated. Oh, I definitely have. Okay, I think even even in, you know, I said on the first episode that I was kind of surprised by people's shock because we talk about these things a lot. At the same time, some of the images and the visuals that I was seeing and just being reminded about it, because again, as a white person, like speaking for myself, it, even though I can have these conversations with you every day, it's not like it's the only thing that I think about or that I am always conscious of, of, you know, the things that are going on in the world and the impression. I'm always conscious of it, but there's still times I can go to my little white bubble and, and kind of forget about it. So even me in that moment, I still felt the outrage and I still felt so mad that, like I said, I went and I posted on social media. Yeah. That was, outra- that was outrage, if I'm being real. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm angry about this. And it's like, that's, that's helpful for you. That's a helpful process for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so also she lists things that you can try instead, and so I'll just say those. The first one is processing your outrage privately, which is what I'm allowing Grant to do. because The I'm complete just, opposite of what I'm doing right now. Right now, <laughs> right now in this very moment, I should just close, turn my headphones off and be like, bitch, process it yourself. True. Uh, but then second, she says, educate yourself on the history of racism. So yeah, it's not my job to be like, Grant, sit down on my knee. Let me tell you the story of racism. <laughs> no, it's like, bitch, go to the library and figure it out yourself. <laughs> like father time over here, but like father oppression. Yes. <laughs> or father of the oppressed. Daddy time. I like da- that better. Daddy time. Daddy time. Yeah. Uh, so then also she says to learn about the slave trade, colonialism, eugenics, Instead of being shocked, be informed. So, yeah, like, this is a process that you need to go through on your own. Your outrage is great for your learning experience and great for your education, but it's not going to really do much for me as an ally. That makes sense. It's more about about me figuring it out and educating myself. Yeah. I remember that when we went to one of the protests— uh, there was a moment where there was this white guy standing behind me and he's just yelling at the cops like, fuck you, police. We hope you die. And yeah, he, you know, he was going into Hulk yeah, mode. And right. I was like, hold on. I'm standing in between you and these cops. I need you to chill out, white boy, before they start throwing some motherfucking tear gas in my head right. and all kinds of shit. And I ain't even saying that. I'm just standing here peaceful and shit. That's something that, well, so one of the good things that's going on with all of the posting is there is a lot of education, especially from people like Holiday, who 
actually write about this and are educated in this and like are trying to teach and share what they know to other people. And so like one thing that I read that I learned is like when you're in a situation like that, as a white person, you should be standing and being quiet in front of the people of color uh, uh, to use your body as a shield because the police will come for you. They might not come for the white guy yelling as easily. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, shit, they out of pocket. I know, that's I, honestly, true. They busting everybody upside the head. Eight-year-old yeah. kids, everybody getting tear gas. They, the cops said, we had it with y'all. We're going to fuck you all up. That's but true. yes, statistically, they're probably going to see someone like me, larger black man, and be like, that's the problem because I not stick out in the crowd. Mm. Or they'll take it out on you because they know they can get away with it. Bullshit. Uh, so the second thing Holiday says is performance. Mm. We, there's been a lot of this in the last two weeks, mm-hmm. but I, I appreciate the effort, but do understand that performance is not the best way of allyship. And this is why, because uh, performance is basically saying, I understand the urge to say something on social media, especially when people are reminding you that to be silent is to be complicit. But if your activism begins and ends with the hashtag, you excuse yourself from the true commitment and sacrifice that is necessary to dismantle the system of racism. Dang, this one's tough. Because it's like hard to know that line between, it's like what she said, it's hard to know the line between performance and like not wanting to be silenced and wanting to engage and be part of something, you know? And obviously you shouldn't be doing it just to be a part of something, but if you care about it and you do want to make a change and you know that your voice can help, now as a, you know, for me as a white guy, I know that one of my, like my voice is important to this because I am the, you know, ex- prime example of the, I guess I'll say oppressor, you know, like I am the, I'm the model citizen of that, of that character in society. So for me to speak out, I think that is important, but I don't want to do it just to perf- like say like, look at how woke I am. But see, here's the thing is that she didn't say don't do it. Like the biggest True. thing you should take away from this, she said, if your activism begins and ends with the hashtag, you excuse yourself from the true commitment and the sacrifice. So something to insta- uh, instead try is to do both. Right. So for every post that you do on social media, you challenge yourself to an act of allyship in private that no one will ever know about. So do something that's that's face uh, audience facing. Uh, that's for like my like my <laughs> media business talk. Audience facing. Uh, do something that people can see. Cool, but also. Do the things that people can't see. Do the things that you're not going to get a pat on the back for. Right. That And that should be something that you should think about just in life in general. Yeah. You should be willing to help people and do good things and nice things for people without having to record it and be like, look, I gave this bum $5 and I recorded yeah. it and put it on YouTube. I want some likes. No. Do some shit that nobody knows about. So when you're learning about your uh, how you can be a better ally and trying to find out how you can dismantle these systemic racist uh, institutions, you... They do do a lot of things that I might never know about. It, it everything doesn't need to mic my black friend uh, seal of approval. So right, maybe I did. You don't know. Yeah, I don't know shit. Maybe you uh, started an organization secretly and didn't tell me about it, and it's funding a bunch of money for like Black Lives Matter. I don't know. Uh, I didn't do that. Let's just be clear. Okay. All right. <laughs> but but now now I know that's an option. I'm giving so. you ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Just run for office. Shit. Uh, don't do that. I don't think I'm qualified for that. Let's be Okay, real. so the third one is a big one for Grant because we've discussed this before in this an was, episode. I mean, I feel like we covered all of these, but this but one yeah, was a big talking these, point in the first episode. Number three is guilt. So 
Many white people are feeling overwhelmed with guilt and shame for being complicit. Guilty. In and asleep to the injustices of racism. Understandable. But guilt is not helpful for allyship. It keeps you stuck and focused on self when what we need now are strong and stable allies able to carry their share of the burden. Okay, so that's a that's a massive call out for me personally. And I'm sure other people too. Yeah. I mean Holiday puts it so nicely. Yeah. It's <laughs> she really tried to make it She's sweet like, Let enough. Let me tell to you leave. how you ain't shit. And I'm gonna make it sound short and sweet so you can <laughs> eat this shit up and sit in your shit. I I hear you, Holiday. I hear you loud and clear. Okay. So this is a this is an interesting one. Um I guess for me going off of what I said last time, obviously guilt is, in my opinion, a consequence of conscience, right? So it's part of you, part of you, I guess, like thinking through what you could do better and, and, you know, having like some sort of like moral compass that you're working through and, and just trying to make this, it's part, it's helping you make decisions. I think maybe the processing of it out loud or in, you know, um, I guess like the, the the processing of it and then bringing other people into that maybe that's where where you know that could be fixed. What 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 can we do instead of having guilt? Let's say that. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> what Holiday says because I could have a million answers for this. Let's just take hers because she's she's a genius. Actively take steps to process this guilt. Meditate, journal, process with other white people. Let me say that one more time. <laughs> Actively take steps to process this guilt. Meditate, journal, and process with other white people. For example, don't start a podcast with your black roommate and be like, let me talk about my guilt. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. The call no, out. you're right. You're absolutely the right. Call out. No. But you see, Cade, he went off to Seattle. So I, when I process my guilt, I have to do it alone yes. in my room. Cade is our other roommate. Yeah. Um, Fun fact. Yeah, but see, I, I mean, I said this to you while you're with your family, so I was like, shit, read this with your family. That's true. Uh, and then the other thing she says is, then remind yourself that when we know better, we do better. So now you know, do. So basically, it's like, okay, address that you have the guilt. Cool. Now, what's the next step? Part two. We can't, you can't sit here and just be stuck in that place of guilt and never move past that. Mm-hmm. Like, as a, as a black man, like, just speaking from my own personal experience... There have been so many times that I have been mistreated or felt bad or down and out and stuff like that. And those things are going to continually come up and I'm going to have to continue to deal with them. But if I stayed stuck in that state, then I wouldn't have been able to to graduate or to get that job or to get that promotion or to to be where I am now, starting a podcast and talking about this shit. Because there's been so many times that people have tried to beat me down, whether intentionally or not, whether it was designed by the system, the broken system or not, it, those, those instances happened and occurred. So I felt bad about myself plenty of times. But if I sat there in, in that shit and never moved forward, then I wouldn't have gotten anywhere. So same thing, like be a guilty white boy, but now what are you going to do with that newfound power that you have or that newfound knowledge? Yeah, that's that's definitely something to think about. And it's something that I've been growing through, I feel like, a lot. I mean, and not just in the area of race and race relations and racism. I mean, there's, you know, when we talk about allyship, there's so many other topics, too, whether it's sexism, whether it's ableism, whether it's, you know, um, being an ally to the LGBTQ uh, community. And those are all areas where you can do better and, yeah, and, and have guilt. Even You can even have guilt just with, you know, 
white person to white person and you still need to process that and, and work on that. And I think that's very important to to note is that what what she puts together here is things that do not work are the ways to be a better ally. That's for, like I said before, for everyone. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I can read this and there's, you know, in the positions that I might have power because everyone has certain specific privileges for something. That yeah. is something that I don't know how many times I have to try to tell everybody because everyone's like, oh my God, white privilege. That means that I'm more privileged than everyone in the entire world. It's like, mm, for that specific instance, for that, for that specific identity, yes. With skin color, we know that. Come on now. Light-skinned people have conquered everything. And when I say light-skinned people, I mean people from Europe. I mean people from certain Asian countries. I mean, you know, there's, there's, we, we know that. It's in history that they have conquered and colonized a lot of areas. Or if not uh, been a part of, started a lot of wars. So that we know that privilege is there. But then there's other privileges, like maybe you could be someone who has served in the military. Then you actually are without the privilege of someone who hasn't served in the military because by serving in the military that puts you in a different uh in a different position with your government with your with what you have to do uh for your country when you can and can come home all those different things when you go to a restaurant i mean let's call let's call it what it is you know there are like little things too yeah so they but and that one's a little more complex that people might not be aware of but then there's also uh, with religion, we all know like the big religions are like Christianity and Catholicism, but ironically, there's a lot Islam. of yeah, and 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 uh, the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. But so then, like those those identities are so powerful and so popular. But if you are something else, you're not you're not in a position of power. Nobody's really talking about you or checking for you guys on a global scale. So people who are a part of those bigger, you know, religions, Christianity and Catholicism and stuff like that, mm. it's like you have to be a better ally to people who aren't who maybe believe in something else, which that's probably never gonna happen because Yeah, that's that's they ain't trying to help nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other can of worms, right? But yeah. and then to kind of go to something that's way more simple or easy to understand is yeah. men and women. Male yeah. to female. Like, come on now, men. Uh, we can be better allies to women every single day in everything we do. Yeah. And people can't even, people say, like, I don't understand how. Well, I can understand how. The first thing is, like, why are we the only country that hasn't had a female president? Yeah. Which blows my freaking mind. Not even a vice president. Not even, we barely even had, like, women be secretaries of, of certain departments. Like, that's. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's like, damn, America. Get your shit together. Why? What? Are, what are we stuck on? That makes me sick to my stomach. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's totally, totally fair criticism. And you know, it, it's easy to think about what are the ways that you, as a man, me as a man, in our lives can can do better. And there's so many ways. But then, you know, to take that up the chain, I mean, there's so many ways in every institution that we can do better as men. Yeah, and we ain't shit. Women. Men ain't shit. But like, I mean, we could be, <laughs> we could definitely do better. <laughs> so yeah, when I'm reading yeah. this, you, you don't have to just read it as just black to white. There are so many other ways and that you can see how you can be a better ally. So she has two more points. And let's so let's, let's jump into those. Number four is shaming others, which is something I think that happens a lot with friends of mine because they're like, oh, I have that one black friend, Mike Thompson. So like mm. everyone else is like not as woke as me. I think we could even go uh, take that a step further and, and say maybe parts of our last episode was a little bit of shaming others, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, but I mean, like, which ones are you talking? Which people are you talking about shaming? Because you're talking about the Karens. Fuck the Karens, man. <laughs> I will well, shame their ass. <laughs> let's read what Holiday says. Let's, and maybe let's read what she says. She says, uh, shaming others because you don't have the right to shame other people for not doing enough. Mm. And even if you did, shaming is not an effective motivation for action. Shaming frames you as the good and the others as the bad. But allyship isn't an identity. It's a lifelong commitment to anti-racism. Yeah. You're not, you don't just get the identity ally and then you're good, right? No. It doesn't work like that. It just can't be like, well, because then you run into that instance where people go, oh, my God, I'm not racist. Like, I have two black friends. I'm like, yeah. I have no. a black husband or like, yeah. yeah. I don't give a damn. I don't, give a, I don't care who you know. I, I might make, when people tell me that, I actually get more weary because I'm like, they well, felt def, they they fully remember and recognize that one black person in their life. Oh, and they to, felt that they had to bring it up in front of or to you directly yes. to your face. Like, imagine if every cop did that. Like, they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, I know I shot you, but like, I shoot everyone. <laughs> or Damn, I I only bad. shot like through two black guys this year. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. But the first of all, you should, like that's you're you're addressing that you have a problem and. You're trying to justify the problem by by pinpointing all the different instances that you that that problem <laughs> occurred, I guess. Which is yeah. it just seems crazy to me. Yeah. Well, and I feel like this is tough because okay, I actually read something that was helpful to me. Unfortunately, I don't have the reference in front of me right now, but it was thinking about this conversation as a a ladder with levels to it. And different people are coming to this conversation that we're having as a country right now from different stages or different levels. And like some people are a lot further behind other people who might think that they are, you know, either, you know, a good ally and I'm doing everything right. Or even if they're like, I'm an imperfect ally, but I'm still out here and I'm still aware. Um, there are people that are way behind even that step of, of even saying like, you know, like the, let's, let's say like the bottom of the rung, the bottom rung on the, this ladder is like, the all lives matter people. Right. And, and maybe they think in that moment that they're like coming at it from like some sort of justified place, but they're just misguided and they're just ignorant. Right. Let's give, let's give a certain section of those people the benefit of the doubt to say that they are the bottom ladder and everyone is working up from there to getting to the point where we're talking about like defunding the police and abolition of police and then reparations. Right. So it's like going up the ladder of just like what you're aware about, what you think about and so I think that it's easy if you're on a higher step on that ladder to look down at other people um, and maybe shame them from where you are for not being where you are. Do you ever look down on people? I think I do. I think I definitely do. Um, but I also feel like some people look down on me when I'm not where they're at. Like I started off even. What is, what's, what is the scale? What are you grading it off? Like where, what do you mean where they're at? Uh, well, we'll, we'll find the picture and we'll put it up on, um, on the blog, but based essentially it's just your level of awareness about how to solve this issue of systemic racism and in particular, like defunding the police and abolition of police leading to reparations for, and trying to make amends for systemic racism. So you basically. like certain, some people, you know, or you, you personally feel that they're at a different stage of the game than you are? Uh, I would say that there are some people who would maybe think that uh, about me or that I might feel that they think that about me or or even maybe they actually are. And they're, you know, two steps ahead of me on, let's say, like 
this ladder that I'm talking about is anti-racism, right? That's the term that I was was not using for this whole conversation, which should be. It's like the, the, the levels of awareness of anti-racism. And so for me, maybe that there's times where I have shamed people for not understanding or being as like aware of these situations as me. So, okay, well, let's, let's see what Holiday says that what you should instead try is to focus on yourself, locate your own racism, and if you can't find it, look harder. <laughs> <'Cause they're, laughs> uh, call people out when you see racism, but avoid blanket statements or posts about what others aren't doing, which I will say that I haven't seen so many people doing that. They've kind of been just sharing words, probably from women of color and black women and stuff like that, black people, which has been great. They're just kind of giving us the floor to like have the information, but they're resharing it. Yeah. Um, but uh, there has been an instance I do where I feel like there are the people that are like, you guys could all be doing better when coming from like the blonde hair, blue eyed white guy. <laughs> and it's just like, I mean, yeah, you definitely did like at least 22 microaggressions yesterday, but who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, that's, I, I mean, that feels very targeted at me. So I'm going to, well, I'm going to take the, it. I, did I'm I say you it. though? No, but I'm going to take it because so I you know didn't what? say you. So that was that's a whole other issue. But when you... you're doing what Holiday says and you're focusing on yourself and you're locating your own racism, how can you not see yourself when you're reflected in that way? Okay, all right. So you're uh-huh. doing, you're doing your, okay. You're doing your own personal work. So. Yeah, of course. And I know that there's so many areas where you know whether it was just a moment or whether it's like just in general ways that I react to things that I can still do better. Yeah, and I'll be letting your ass know. Well, yeah, you definitely do that. That's for sure. Record stop. (laughs) This is where we're going to talk about how you just said something crazy. Absolutely. Especially when we're watching reality television. Yeah, that's a... That's a whole area where this yes. comes into play. We, we, we got to talk about that. We're going to have to have a whole episode dedicated to reality television. Yes. Yes. Coming up. So, so the fifth thing that uh, Holiday puts together, she says debating is the fifth way that your allyship ain't doing a damn thing. Um, <laughs> because getting lost in debates, trying to explain racism to all lives matter people is likely a waste of your time. Those seeking to discredit the existence of racism are energy vampires who aren't ready to see the truth yet. And that's okay. Change won't come from them. It'll come from us. Mm. So. so here's the thing that I think as, a, as, as me, but also me as a white guy who's, you know, on whatever stage of wanting to be an ally, let's say that. I feel like there's a conflict between wanting to debate and not wanting to be silent. So where's the line between am I, go, am I actually, you know, coming at this with the right intention if I'm trying to educate someone or, or just not be silent, not be complicit to the, the craziness that they're saying, but at the same time, you know, not wanting to get caught up in, in what um, Holiday is calling out. So what she says to do instead is actually really good to, okay. to what you're saying. So she says, instead, calmly explain your perspective, and if they want to engage with an open mind, engage. But if not, you move your ass on and you get back to work. And I assume getting back to work means working on yourself? Yeah. Well, I mean, shit, it probably can mean anything. It probably means just get back to life, like get back to working on you. So I got to work on myself. I need to look at an area where I can improve. And if something comes up where... All of a sudden, I'm presented with someone who has an all, uh, you know, different view than me, and 
they're open to hearing my point of view, share it. And if then it seems like it's not going to go anywhere, then let it go and keep working on me and doing better like that. Pretty much. Like, I think it, it, you should know when the conversation is not going to go anywhere. If someone is fully decked out in MAGA gear and they're just like, my entire family has been part of the KKK since the beginning of time, then maybe your <laughs> argument is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But if someone is a little Becky and she's like at her Starbucks and she's like, oh my God, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just feel like I'm not a good friend to like my black friends. And like, and like, I just talk about Trump sometimes. Like, then maybe she's, she's kind of opening the doors for like some education. So now this is, this is time to have that conversation. When someone is asking or seems like they're open to kind of hearing a different viewpoint or trying to get to a resolution, then enter and jump in. But if someone's screaming and yelling some racist shit and all that, it might not be the moment to like really educate or have a real conversation. You're probably just going to get in a fight. Yeah. And in that instance, the goal should just be if there's if they're yelling that shit at someone else who is like a person of color or black person or, or someone who they're trying to like threaten or overpower, you know, Try and shut them down and get them, you know, get, just make the make the situation de-escalate and keep, make sure that person's safe, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes though, some people just like warrant just a beat down. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's why it is what careful. it is. That's why you can't engage with people who are not willing to listen because yeah. then it might it might result into a beat down and then everybody going to jail. Yeah. And we don't want that. Okay, so the thing that is interesting for me is that. I guess there is this idea of allyship from black people to black people. And sometimes it's it's hard to navigate that because you feel like because you have that identity, you're like, well, I'm the perfect ally because I know what it's like to be black. But also as a black person, it's very important how I present myself to my to my community and directly and then also how I present myself to my community in the eyes of people like you. Okay. This is something I always think about. Like, uh, it's it might it's a lot different for me to be very critical of someone like, oh man, you can't say that. You know, black people can't be saying shit like that. It's like I can say that around my family, and my family understands where I'm coming from because they're like they know, oh, we can't be saying this certain thing because it's gonna come back, uh, to us in a negative way, mm. and that's how they take it. But if I was to watch TV and say, oh, black people can't be saying shit like that. They know better than that in front of you. There's, there's a, or just using you as like, you know, the white guy. Yeah. But if I said You may or may not have said something like that before. Yeah, I've, but, and I've, I've done this before. But because we've talked about it. And by doing that, you could, there's a potential of you seeing it as, oh, yeah, black people shouldn't be saying it like that. Or shouldn't be saying And it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's my criticism, my, my internal criticism to my community that's a struggle that i'm we're trying to fight our her on our own i don't need you know the the person with the privilege to chime in because that's another conversation it changes now yeah it's a it's so you have to know when it's not your fight and also like when the conversation isn't about you and doesn't need you too. yeah that's part of allyship i think the, and a great example of that is like if a if a if two women were having a discussion about something that has to do with being a woman, 
there there is a moment when then the man can be an ally, but then if they're talking to each other, he should not be like, hold on, pause, women, let me jump in here, let mm-hmm. me explain to you. That, no, that turns into some some dangerous territory. That's mansplaining. Man, mansplaining, yeah. So white explaining. Let's mansplain to you, women. On yeah, the let me mansplain to you, women. It happens all the time. So yeah. ne- next time, man, when you when you start to talk and you feel like they're just looking at you like, what the fuck are you saying? Shut up. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so good, good that, policy. Yeah. But that there, this happens in a movie. Yes, we just watched this. Loose. Loose. Yeah, that was very interesting. Okay, so for people who don't know, Loose is a film, came out last year, kind of like a social thriller drama. Um, it was directed, co-produced, and co-written by a man named Julius Ona. Um, and, it's, and it's with Naomi Watts and uh, Tim Roth. And the yes, lead. great actors. Yes, fantastic actors. Um, and... They adopt a son who uh, was from a war-torn country named Eritrea, and he's a, a young black man. And yes. they're a white couple, obviously, Naomi Watts, Tim Roth. Um, and this whole controversy starts because he is kind of like the model student. Yeah, he's, he's like the perfect kid. He's like a perfect athlete. He's super, you know, intelligent, straight A's, good grades. Like, he's the top of the, top of the class. He's top of the school, yeah. which is, I uh, mean, that happens a lot. Yeah, and and what happens is he starts to have a, pretty much a problem with one of his teachers, who is a history teacher played by Octavia, Octavia Spencer. Yes, it's a it's this it's black history teacher, and pretty much she she starts to question his his motives and his beliefs because one he he's come from a war torn country. And he was a child soldier at one point. I think that's also very important. That's a very big Uh, plot point. So like it on on top of him. But then also she comes at it when she talks to his parents. Like I'm trying to look out for him because if he says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing, people are going to judge him and take away all of his accolades. As a black man, that is something that that we do think about. Like we make the wrong move. It's a wrap. It's like Barack Obama. Like if he looked the wrong way or did did something the wrong way or wore too many brown suits. They would have took his presidency away. <laughs> Damn. So oh, yeah. yeah, you know, he it's not it's not like other people where you can have a whole list of 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 negative things towards you and still be president of the United States, you know, right. like our current guy. But so with Luce in particular, this teacher is trying to to watch out for him or look out for him. But you run into the problem of his two adoptive parents who just so happen to be white. They're like, we know what's best for our kid. Why are you trying to come after our kid? Yeah. And honestly, treat him like he can do no wrong. Yeah. They also, they're starting to treat him like he's perfect. But then Luce goes through this whole crisis because of everyone treating him like he's perfect while he sees how they treat other black students at right. the school. And there's a student who's his friend named Deshaun. And actually, Octavia Spencer's character, Harriet Wilson, she gets him kicked out. Yeah, um, she gets this other, this well, other kicked, black guy kicked out. Yeah, he gets him. She gets him kicked off the running team after finding marijuana in his locker, and she calls the police on him. It's and it's intense because I think, I, I mean, I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, but I feel like I think Luce is like friends with him. Like he's done. They do the same stuff. Yeah. So spoiler warning. Basically, it's, it's a shared locker. So it's you know they they share they all share lockers with each other. Technically, that was just as much Luce's weed as it was his. Yeah. yeah, and so it's just it's just interesting because the whole movie basically is showing how like his parents where they I mean one they are his parents but also they are kind of 
for our for our definition and our example, like the white allies in this situation where they're the like to, you know progressive liberal type people. Yeah, they're right? like, we took him from a war torn country. We we raised him. We like he's no longer a child soldier now. He's our stu- he's our son. He's like a top top of the class student. Um, but that that ends up blinding the fact that he's just a teenager. Right. Normal kid. <laughs> He's a normal yeah. kid. Well, and besides, obviously, he has, like, a really dark past. Yeah. But he worked on that to become what, you know, is just, like, a regular teenager who has his own problems. But, ha- yeah, half of the shit that they accuse him of doing is normal teenager shit. They're, like, right. you know, he's, like, back-talking, and he's, like... Uh, getting frustrated and angsty and like, oh, you guys all hate me and all this stuff. Like that, we all have done that. So there, that's why I think it's very important if you are, it's 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 such a challenge. I mean, I I don't know what my future looks like, but maybe one day I might have children or something that might be of a different race or, or mixed race. And I will have to have to do my education on what it's like to communicate with them and be a, a parent to them while being an ally. Because if you're a white parent to black children, you gotta you have to be a parent, but you also have to acknowledge that there is an identity that they have that is very important how you how you communicate with them and how you communicate with others around them. So that this movie really shows that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great film and it's really tense too. Like there's you know just keeps you on edge the whole time and you're kind of wondering what's gonna happen. Like is this gonna pop off? Um, but that's kind of a false. Um, in a way, that's kind of a misleading feeling because you think like, oh, it's going to turn into this dangerous thing and we're not going to spoil anything. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, and it's just really good, just good human drama. It was based on a play, I believe. Of course it was based on a play. Yeah. Because it, yeah, it was like only so many locations, like three locations. And like, yeah. it was so dramatic and so emotional. But such a great movie that just kind of explains the pros and the cons of being an ally. Because whether white, black, man, woman, parent or not, it's it can cause so much problems if you think of yourself as like I'm the best. Like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing is right because I I'm you know I'm Bono. I'm Madonna. I have saved so many children in Africa. There's nothing I could do wrong. <laughs> like if you if you get to that stage and it's like yikes, you might you're gonna start to miss the blind spots where you are making mistakes because you think of yourself as perfect. True. And not to say that the, like Bono or Madonna think that about themselves, no, they but don't. they could. But if you think you're them, then right. you are a problem because only Absolutely. they can be them. That's what, that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. If you as an average person are like, yes, I'm there. I know you're not. Yeah. You're not. <laughs> I posted enough this week. I'm good. They got money. They got talent. They, they've done a lot of shit. You can't, you can't, you don't, you're not, you can't aspire to be them. Right. And one of the interesting things about that too is how Harriet Wilson, you know, played by Octavia, Octavia Spencer, um, her character thinks that she's in the right too because she thinks that she needs to protect Luce as this as this character who, you know, for what yeah, he represents. Because she thinks she knows best as a teacher, as a black woman, as, you know. So it's like there's there and it, it becomes a problem, of course, because it's basically like everyone's battling about who knows what's best for Luce. Mm-hmm. And Luce is over in the corner like, None of y'all do. <laughs> so, yeah, and he's Pretty so much. smart. He basically manipulates everybody. Like, I, some of the stuff he was saying in the movie, I was like, damn, he making me, I'm confused. I'm like, did he, is he innocent or is he guilty? I don't know. He yeah, it, a, it paints a really, like, it's like a really good gray area. He's a where, great talker. He can weasel his way out of anything. It's like, it's so, it's very well written. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, the movie, I don't think was, obviously didn't, like, it didn't blow people out of the water. It wasn't like a blockbuster hit. 
But it's just one of those like little gems that you got to find, and it's like great story. I believe it's still on Hulu. Um, check it yeah, out. See if you can watch it. Watch it loose. Look it up. I mean, shit. Nowadays, you can go anywhere. You can go to the Red Box. <laughs> can you go to Red Box? Is that still open? I don't know. You just got to wash your hands, wipe it down. That's shit. true. Maybe they've got, you know, hand sanity dispensers. But great movie. All right. Hold on. Can't pause. Can we talk? Why did you keep saying, were you going to say Octavia Spencer? I kept doing that. I don't know why I kept doing it. Octavia Spencer. <laughs> Octavia. Like, I why mean, do I think I'm fancy all of a sudden? She, her talent is so good that, like, yes, she should be Octavia in Octavia. Yeah, she's like, Octavia She's now. definitely royalty, so I guess maybe that's why you were doing that. Yeah, because I, I can say it when I'm not having to think about it, Octavia Spencer. But then mm-hmm. I'm in the moment and I'm like, Octav. Maybe it's like the difference, because, like, some people say aunt and aunt. Oh, like aunties. Auntie. Yeah. Or aunt, my aunties. My aunt Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your mom's sister? Yeah, my mom's middle sister, yeah. Yeah. So actually, speaking to my mom, so my mom has decided recently, as of this week, which is something that we were doing when we were down there, um, is she wants to sell her VHS collection. Now, we've had VHS movies on the same shelf in my mom's living room for since as long as we've lived in that house. It's like 20-something years. And she's now finally ready to sell them. Um, Make some coin. Yeah, exactly. And the first thing that we decided was, well, so a little bit of backstory. So my fiance, Lizzie, she has now started a uh, Good Vibes vintage uh, little eBay where she's selling a bunch of um, old vintage stuff on there. Okay, that is from go her. Ahead. Yeah, like from like, you know, they've been cleaning the garage during quarantine, you know, selling some stuff, making some side money. And uh, she off- my mom heard about this and so now my mom wants to get in on it. So she, I'm my mom sure like, your mom has all kinds of shit to sell. Oh yeah, but but we started because we like, let's start with the Disney classics because you know, I don't know if you know this, so Disney has put out different, you know, versions of, of the VHS um, tapes even. Yeah, what, I've been living under a rock? Come well, on, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know how much people remember about VHS. Yeah, like the original ones, because like there's a, he only released them like ever so often. The when Black they the Diamond world. classic. That's like, those are the really like top tier ones. Is that the one they were in that like plastic, thick ass uh, as far co- as I know, all VHS tapes are plastic thick ass. <laughs> no, like the container. You know, it was like, it was white in the inside and it would like pop open. Oh, you know yeah, 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 yeah. Like, it's definitely like that. It's like early 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, some of them are older than that, I would think. Um, like maybe like like late 80s, early 90s. Um, well, yeah, but these ones are supposedly the rarest VHS because, you know, they put they put all the movies back in the vault and then they brought them back out with, you know, Which I, when I was little, I always just imagined they just like actually had a vault full yeah. of thousands and thousands of videos. Like Scrooge McDuck, right? Like, you, like it's an yeah. actual vault with <laughs> yeah. all the VHS. And they close it back up. And I was yeah. like, where did they keep that so many movies? Why are they putting it in the vault? People want to buy it. Yeah. Sidebar, this was actually a huge issue when I worked at Barnes & Noble because people would always be coming in trying to buy certain Disney DVDs even and they weren't available. We would have like maybe like four or five DVDs on the shelf that were Disney movies at one time. Damn, and Disney just now they said, fuck a vault. They just said, Disney Plus, <laughs> here they are. Watch yep. them binge. Yep, you can obsessed. watch them all on there. And I think part of that was why my mom's like finally ready to part with some of these. Plus, I don't, I mean, we have a VHS player, but I don't think she's going to be mean, watching anytime soon. To be real though, like we should be emotionally and mentally parting with some of these Disney movies because I, when I think back now, I'm like, I, when I was a little kid, I thought these these movies were perfect. And I was like, oh, they represent everything and love and life and happiness. And then, like, as an adult, I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. This is problematic. Ooh. Like, which ones in particular are you thinking of? All of them. <laughs> I mean, 
Every I'm, single Disney movie? Not every single Disney movie. My my favorite movies, hands down, will always be Hercules and Mulan. Like, yeah, Hercules, those, are, those are classics. Yes, because it was like action, and then Hercules had all them black women in it. Yep. That was the only time black women were in a Disney movie, whereas the muses. Yeah, we and, just watched um, yesterday on YouTube. Then. Yeah. But 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 on YouTube we just watched the like people love the muses like there was that medley that we watched yesterday. What oh yeah, was it was that? like it was like I think it was mostly men that were like in that medley and it, it yeah. was great. Men doing all of the muses songs and they were killing it. It was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. I don't know I don't know the name of it, but we'll have to we'll shout we'll it out. We'll link it somewhere. Yeah, uh, but Hercules hands down bomb ass movie. You've probably seen it a million times. Know the lyrics to every song. Try me. I know the whole movie from front to back. But then also Mulan because like. There's action. She, it's a strong female character, and we know from me talking about Avatar, that's my jam. Yeah. So it's it like that whole movie was sick, and that was one of the first movies I started using all of like the 3D to enhance everything, other than Hunchback and Notre Dame. Do you remember on Disney Channel the movie Surfers? Yes, the mo- they, yes, and, and they, they would always play the clip of all like how they made all of yes. the like warriors coming down the hill. I, absolutely, that's what I'm referencing. Remember yeah. when they just show like, oh, we would like create one, and then, then we would like multiply, and then I was like, damn, yeah. they got 3D effects in this. That's amazing. Yeah. Aladdin was actually, I think, officially the first movie to start doing that. That makes sense. It, it, it visually looks so different. You know, different, the, huh? the Cave of Wonders and shit was like, yeah, but, that was different. Yeah, but Mulan did it flawlessly. Bomb-ass characters. Also, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's because I tried to find any movie that had a semblance of a black character in it. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm thinking about it, because Mushu was a dragon, but it was voiced by Eddie Murphy. So in my mind, I was like, oh, the dragon's black. That's why I like Mulan. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I love Eddie Murphy in that movie, too. Little Black Dragon and then uh, The Black Muses, which were two of the best, or four, I don't know how many muses, four of them? Five, I think. So five, Five six six of the best characters in Disney for me at the time. Eventually. And those are, let's be real. I mean, Mushu's, you know, supporting cast, not a main character. And the Muses are, it would be, they're, they're supporting cast, but they're like, like they're literally like a Greek chorus, right? Yeah. Yeah. If they make a live action Disney movie about Hercules, they should just make it about the Muses. That would be cool. Just straight up. Like, it should be from their perspective, they should sing a couple songs about Hercules and some other Greek, uh, heroes and then they should be like oh damn we're done so what what do we do next and then it's like what is the muses story yeah what do they do i wonder yeah who would play the muses uh well beyonce probably muse number one although she was nala in lion king so i don't give a damn uh she could do it again i think beyonce and jennifer hudson hands down would have to be come on now you you'd be playing yourself janelle monet yeah i mean shit they just might as well reprise the the cast of dream girls because uh (laughs) Yeah. What is her name? Who are we missing? Anika, is it Anika, Anika Noni Rose? I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but she was the voice of the frog. Oh, see, damn, I said the frog. Princess Tiana. That's a great segue because that movie had black people in it, but the fact that I just said she played the frog was a problem. Yeah. When she she played Princess Tiana. Yeah. So like Disney that, got us tripping over They here. got me tripping. They, the whole movie basically was her. She was a frog. She was probably a princess and a human being for five seconds. Yeah. It's not long. We just watched it recently, huh? Because yeah. Did we see, watch it on Disney Plus? Where was it? It must have been when we had Disney Plus for that. Like, no, I think it's on like Netflix too. Okay. They, you know, they like, we want everybody to see that we got a black movie. So they put it everywhere. I remember thinking at the time. Bootleg. I remember thinking at the time, you know. I don't know how many years ago that was, that I was like, they're really trying to push that. 
and I was thinking that I was like, I was like, just let it be what it is. Let it be the first black movie, but you don't have to call out that it's the first black princess. Like you're some savior. Oh, they did. I was they actually were pushing it hard. I was at Comic Con because uh, I'm a full nerd. I was at Comic Con like the year or two years before it came out, and they were really? like premiered it, and it was like for the first time ever. And I was like, oh shit, what is about to happen? And they put it up there and they showed her she was a princess and a black princess. And I was like, oh, this is going to be off the chain. And they showed us like 10 minutes of her being Tiana. I did not know that was going to be the only 10 minutes that she was going to be Tiana for the whole movie. You're right. But that's what they showed. And that's such that's so interesting too because the original story, it's just the prince that's a frog, right? So they twisted it yeah. so that both of them are frogs. So both of them are frogs. Wow. What the fuck they had to make that change for? Who asked for that? That's a good question. Disney, this is your moment to <laughs> to look at what you <laughs> fucked up on and fix it. Yeah. Give her a sequel and let her be Princess Tiana for the whole thing. Yeah. Let her best friend. Let the white turn people be the frog. frogs. Yeah. <laughs> let her little her little rich friend that was a brat, let her turn into a toad. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That that little like blonde. Um, yeah, she was like rich, and so she Southern was, like, the Belle kind princess. of. I was like the story. It was so many problems. I still liked it. it was, she was in it though. Still yeah, I mean, it, it was fun. I you know, there's like fun aspects of it. Did you know that my sister, who's a great singer by the way, randomly, uh, is definitely not genetic because she's the only one that's a great singer. But <laughs> <laughs> she was part of this like play every year where like they play Disney princesses for like the little kids in the, in the city. Oh, that's fun. It's Bakersfield, California, so we already know it's about to jump into a problem. Oh but no! But of course, before I feel like before casting even happened, they like, oh, you gonna play Tiana? <laughs> really? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And she's like, she's way a little more uh, light skinned than I am, so I'm like, she could play anybody. She could play Jasmine, Pocahontas. She, she could play Mulan. And what did they give her an option, or did they just say this I, is what you're doing? I don't know if they didn't give her an option, but it seemed like they didn't because she was Tiana for like three years in a row. Wow! So I was like, whatever. She liked it, but the, one of the biggest problems was they actually had all the princesses wearing their like princess outfits. Um, they all like you know Snow White had on her her little ugly thing with the the blue uh, oh yeah puffs the, on the, the shoulders, the big puffy shoulders, yeah, and the yellow dress. Yeah, Belle had on her yellow dress. You know, Aurora Sleeping Beauty had on her pink dress. Everybody was decked out. And then Tiana, my sister, had to come out and she was dressed as a waitress. No. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, we we couldn't find the princess outfit. And so, of course, my black ass went on Facebook and came for them and was like, first of all, (laughs) because they they tried to say that that was the outfit she wore originally. And I was like, pause. Don't mess with me because I'm a Disney fanatic. Every single princess in every Disney movie has a maid or a waitress outfit and also a princess outfit. Every single yeah, one. Yeah, so you're I was right. Like, I was like, if you're going to make her wear that, then you got to put Snow White in her ugly rags. You got to <laughs> put Cinderella in her rags. You got to put Sleeping Beauty because they all had that Belle shit in like the, you know, schoolkeeper daughter. Yeah. So. Or what Belle, is her, what's her daughter? Belle was thrown into a dungeon. Yeah, that's true. Cinderella was mopping floors. Come on now. Snow White, she cleaned up that house out of all them seven nasty-ass men. So you know they all had these maid outfits on, but you're going to make my sister be dressed as the maid. I almost fucked that whole place up. <laughs> I mean, you would have had every right to, right? I wouldn't, man. Shit. Wow. But guess what? The next year, my sister came out in, in Tiana's dress. Yeah. That's, that's some change right that there. Shit again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was me being an ally for Disney princesses. I was like, I got you, Tiana. There you go. Full circle. 
All right, hold on. Pause. So let you said that Bell's dad was a schoolkeeper. First <laughs> what of is all, he? What is he? What the fuck is a schoolkeeper? Well, I don't know. School teacher. Like, no, he's an inventor. He is a Renaissance man. He is basically the Steve Jobs of Disney World. <laughs> you, you. Oh, he's he, an inventor. Yeah, and you over here gonna say he's a schoolkeeper? Well, I just remember her in the library with all the books. That's why I was thinking. Well, she could want to learn on her own. She's independent. That's true. Well, I just remember her. Yeah, now that I think about it, her dad. He's always in that like basement in the furnace, and then he has that like crazy invention that he has there. He's like, I'm going to take this all the way to... Was he trying to go to the Beast House? Where was he trying to go? Yeah. See, now you're going to put me in the hot seat. <laughs> no, <laughs> Where was he trying to go, Mike? The Beast is crazy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Because well, he, he finds him in the, and he's about to get eaten by the wolves. Yeah, it's it's a whole mess. The Beast was problematic, and I can't even... Like, now that you're bringing this up, I also, as a little kid, was like, why the Beast got to be brown? He could have been any other color. He could have been a white polar bear beast. But no, they made sure he was dark-skinned so that I was like, oh, so is this the black character? Because the, the prince that he turns into at the end is kind of blonde, no? No, he's a full white guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Once she, once he turns into a nice prince now. Mm-hmm. He, when he was mean and angry, he was a big old brown dude. But now that he's nice and sweet, he's a little white. Man, see, bump that. At the end of the day, <laughs> I think we should could all be better allies. We're going to start with Disney. Y'all need to work on your allyship, definitely. Mm. Take in everything that uh, um, Holiday Phillips, everything she says is pretty much what you need to, to learn and understand. And if it's not with her, there are so many resources out there that can help you become better allies. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep looking for them and searching for them because the more information never hurts anybody. Yeah. There's always, you know, like we said, there's always better ways you can be better allies to everyone. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a journey. Yeah. And not like a, not necessarily just something you could just wake up and be the perfect ally. So. Aha, I got my degree in allyship. I'm good to go. How some motherfuckers think that. They, they think, oh, I took one women's studies class, and now I know everything I need to know about women. I'm like, no. <laughs> that's not how it works you can't take one social justice class and now you the best ally in the world you can't take one women's studies class and now you know everything about women that's not how the world works education is just something to help you become a better person or help you figure out how things work but you have to do the hard work and the dirty work so yeah read that post work on yourself yeah. that's what i'm gonna do yeah i'm gonna start with your ass we're gonna fix you we're gonna make you the best ally in the world I mean, good luck. (laughs) Shit, I'm going to need it.